The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, Monday, Thursday, April 2, 2015, based on 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit draws us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Whatever. That's become a slang term for, I don't care what you're saying. For example, a little sister says to her older brother, Mom's going to be mad with the mess you're making, and he says, whatever. So he probably changes his mind once Mom gets home. Now, it, it seems that maybe that thinking about whatever sometimes slips into that word whenever as well. For example, if someone asks someone else about their project, when are you going to finish that project you started a while back? And he says, oh, whenever I get around to it, it probably means something. I, I don't really care about that project anymore. If I finish it, fine. If I don't, no big deal. I'll do it whenever. Now, that kind of whenever is not what we want to be thinking when we hear Jesus' words here, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus isn't saying, if you get around to doing it sometime, then uh, do it in a way that remembers me. No. And that's maybe why some translations don't use the word whenever here. Rather, they translate, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so that brings us to that question here tonight. How often? How often does Jesus want us to come to his table, to come to his supper? And if you read the Bible forwards and backwards, you're not going to find a number. You're not even going to find a range with a minimum and maximum. You see, God treats us New Testament Christians as mature children. He doesn't spell out everything in detail for us. In the Old Testament, he spelled out for the, the people when they were to worship, how they were to worship, what they were to bring, how often, and, and many other laws and rules. Just as with a little child, you spell out exactly what they are to do. <coughs> but in the New Testament, he treats us as adults, or as mature children. He makes it very clear that his will is that we worship him and come to his supper often, but he doesn't lay down rules. So how do we answer that question? How often? Well, one way we might get a little bit of guidance is by looking at what other faithful Christians have done. 
And, and when we do that, we, we look beyond just our own family or our, our parents or our congregation because that's only a small segment of faithful Christians. It's only a small place and time. The realm of Christians is much bigger than that. Think of the Christian church throughout the ages and around the world. Not just a few decades, but many centuries. Not just a few hundred people, but many millions. And when we look at the history of the Christian church, we see that for most of that history, they celebrated communion every Sunday. And even at the time of the Reformation, when Luther reformed the church, he didn't get rid of every Sunday communion. He got rid of the other or he got rid of the false doctrines that had slipped in about communion, like that communion was a re-sacrificing of Christ, or that coming to communion was a way to uh, deserve or earn forgiveness. But he valued that every Sunday communion and kept it, and so did the Lutheran Church for the next centuries until false teachings on pietism, rationalism, and Calvinism infected congregations so that communion became only a few times a year, maybe only once a year. There's a lot of history there that we don't have time for here tonight. And when you get right down to it, tradition, whether that's the tradition of our parents or the traditions of the church, they don't really answer that question definitively either, do they? They maybe can be a guide, maybe they can open our eyes to see that the way we are used to may not always be the best way, but that's not a definitive answer to that question. How often? And so we come back to that. And really, in fact, if someone is coming to the communion table often only because it's tradition, that's the wrong reason to come. Because you see, when the Lord says how often, or when the Lord tells us to come often, He's aiming at something much deeper than just our outward actions. He's aiming at our hearts. And as he, he tells us to come often, he wants us to see why. Why he wants us there often. That's really the question we need to be asking. Not simply how often looking for some sort of number, some sort of minimum or maximum. No, that, that's, that's the wrong track. It's like asking, how often should I kiss my wife? If you have to ask that question, that already shows there's a deeper problem. It's not a, a, a problem of numbers, it's a problem of the heart. So why? Why does Jesus want us to come often? That's, that's the question. And as we take to heart the words here of the text tonight, we see that the Lord's Supper is something very special something very unique. Here our Lord meets us face to face. Here he gives us his body to eat and his blood to drink. He's present. He's present in that very special way. Oh, Jesus is present everywhere as God and man. He is present everywhere. He is with us always. But he promises that in the supper he is there in a very special way a way so that as we eat that bread, we are actually eating his body. As we drink that cup, we are actually drinking his blood. It's a way beyond our understanding, a, a miracle. But he is really there. He is there in a way that is, is just as real and, and true as 
something you can see. In fact, it's even more real than that because eyes can be deceived. There's optical illusions, and yet people say seeing is believing. But here you have the promise of your Lord. Here you have the promise of the Almighty God who can do anything, of the God who loved you so much that Jesus died for you. Why would he deceive us? And here he promises. Here, this is my bread. This is my body. This bread that you are eating is my body. This wine that you are drinking is my blood. What a wonder, so far beyond our ability to comprehend. The Lord's Supper is in a class by itself. It is special. And that's what we want to think about as we think of that question, why does Jesus want us to come often? Think of how special that Lord Supper is, where he meets us face to face with his body and blood for us to eat and to drink. But someone might say, if I come too often, then it won't seem special anymore. Now, that, that's true in, with physical things. For example, if you have an ice cream treat after every meal, it's not going to seem special anymore. But that's because that physical item is special only because of the way it makes us feel. The Lord's Supper is special not because of the way it makes us feel, but because of what it actually is, the body and blood of our Lord. But what about that feeling within us? Now, from our own experience, we may even have had that where after we have missed the Lord's Supper for a while, it, it does feel more meaningful when we come back to it. How, how can we have that meaningfulness, that specialness, that, that, that feeling there without skipping the Lord's Supper? Now, it, it is true that, that, that the absence sometimes makes the heart grow fonder, as they say. Or, or think of if, if you skip a, a meal. If I skip several meals in a row, I am very hungry for that next meal, very appreciative of it. But is that healthy? Someone might debate whether it's physically healthy to starve every once in a while, but the Bible makes it clear that starving ourselves spiritually is never healthy, deadly. So how can I have that hunger and thirst for the Lord's Supper continually? How can I learn to cherish and treasure it so that I want to come often even as Jesus wants me to come often? Now the Bible does answer that question. The Bible answers that question. In fact, the Bible creates that hunger and thirst within us by showing us how much we need God's forgiveness. The forgiveness that is offered, given, and sealed to us in the Lord's Supper. Every day, we are filthy sinners. And if you don't feel that struggle against sin every day, that's not because you finally got in past your sinning and are on a better level now. No. If we stop feeling that struggle against sin, that's because we've surrendered to sin. And it's not necessarily the, the sin that people gossip about or, 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 or snicker at. Sometimes it's those spiritual sins of, 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 of pride and self-reliance, thinking that we don't need the ways that God has chosen or ordained to keep our faith strong, namely his word and sacrament, that we can do it on our own. We struggle with sin every day. 
even the Apostle Paul brings us to see how deeply sin corrupts our, us to the very depth of our inner being. We, we, the more we are in tune with what the Bible says, the more we realize that even our most praiseworthy works aren't as good as they look, that our sinfulness is corrupting even them. Yes, look at the Apostle Paul. Look at what he writes, not, not about the time that he was persecuting the church, but by, by, about the time that he was suffering for Christ, the time that he was spreading the gospel. He writes, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there is nothing good. For I, the good I want to do, I don't do, and the evil I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. How much we need forgiveness. Yes, just take your pulse or see if you're still breathing and take to heart what the Bible says of our falling condition as long as we are alive on this earth. As long as we have a pulse, we need God's forgiveness. And in the Lord's Supper, he brings us that forgiveness in such a special way. For in that supper, Jesus says, here is my body given for you. Yes, for you, dear sinner, for you are the one eating it. Because I died on the cross, your sins, every last one of them, your particular sins were nailed to that cross in my body. You are forgiven. This is my blood poured out for you. Yes, for you, dear sinner, for you are the one drinking. Because I died on that cross, my blood has paid the price for all of your sins. You are forgiven. Why wouldn't we want to come often to receive those words of comfort, to receive not just words, but the body and blood of our Savior itself? As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup. You proclaim the Lord's death, his death for you. But don't we get that forgiveness through God's word as well? Yes, of course. There, there's only one kind of forgiveness from God, and, and he doesn't dole out a little bit in baptism, a little bit in his word, a little bit in the Lord's Supper. No, he's not a stingy God. He fully and freely forgives us through his word, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper. It's not a matter of getting the right kind of forgiveness or getting enough forgiveness. Rather, maybe going back to an illustration of, of marriage, we can, we can uh, get a clearer picture here as well. If a husband and wife, or put it this way, how strong is a marriage if the husband and wife just say they love each other? Wouldn't we expect a strong marriage not only to tell one another that they love each other, but also to show that love. And in the same way, our loving God not only tells us in his word, but he also shows us in the Lord's Supper how great his love and forgiveness is. Do you ever struggle with doubt? Do you ever struggle with guilt? Has God really forgiven me? Do you struggle with worry? Will God take care of me after I failed him so many times? I do. And that's why I need the Lord not only to tell me that he loves me and forgives me, but also to 
show me, to bring it home to me in that special way where he gives me his body to eat and his blood to drink. Oh, if I had a perfect faith, I'd only need him to tell me once that I'm forgiven and that he loves me and then I would believe it for the rest of my life. But I don't have a perfect faith. I need to hear of his love and forgiveness again and again. I need that assurance of his love and forgiveness, not only as he tells me, but also as he shows me in the Lord's Supper. For in that supper, my bridegroom comes to me, and he says to me, I gave my life for you. That's how much, how great my love for you is. I gave my life for you. I have washed you clean in my blood. I have dressed you in the wedding gown of my righteousness. You are my bride. Why wouldn't I come often? Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated for the offer.